Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Welcome to Growing Up Fire Season 2, Episode 20. This is a special one. I'm excited to be here. I'm out at the Calgary Airport with Craig Passmore and Mark... Romanuk. Romanuk. He spells his name like a guy I know, and I knew I'd screw it up, so thanks for helping me out. Brent Paquette's here pretending he's not. We're going to talk about all things firefighting, get into a little bit of the airport stuff, kind of uh, cool history. Both you guys used to work in Chestermere, too, so we've got kind of that connection where we can talk about that. So um, let's start with this, and Craig, we're going to put you on the hot seat right off the bat here. When did you know you wanted to be a firefighter? What did that look like? Probably back in 1990 or 91, I graduated High school in 90, and I'm um, from a small town just about an hour south of Montreal, so it's all very uh, French-speaking back there, but in my little small community, it was all English around there, and basically, probably like a lot of other volunteer fire departments, everybody on the fire department, you know, their family, friends, they work at the local stores and whatnot like that, and so one guy I still talked to to this day, his name's Jerry McNabby, he came up to me one day and said, you should try this out, just come on out on a training night and see what it's all about, and... And uh, so I said, I don't, I know nothing about this. He said, perfect. That's what we want. So, and they were running all these, the back in Quebec, they used to call them these block courses, block A, B, C, D. It was like the 1001 S series, I guess it used to be here in Alberta. So I started doing these weekend courses and I finally got onto the fire department there and basically absolutely no training, didn't know anything. Next thing you know, you're on a roof doing a chimney fire or what like that. So I guess that early on got into my blood saying this is what I really want to do is team team environment helping people physically active stuff like that so so at that time I started applying around the Quebec area with the Montreal West Mount Mount Royal before Montreal all amalgamated my French was no near up to par <laughs> so it was just like this is not going to work in this province so I really didn't know what I wanted to do at that time so I and again, my French not being very good back then. So uh, I joined the military basically in 91. I got in uh, December 91 and went to the recruiting office and the guy said, do you like camping and all this stuff? So I basically got sucked in for 12 years of my career as uh, in the combat arms, doing all the fun stuff, jumping out of planes and diving and driving tanks and all that stuff until it segued into 12 years later in 2001, uh, they call it a remuster, basically transferring components over to the fire department so okay. so I uh, transferred over then I ended up at the fire academy it's in Borden Ontario just uh, north of Toronto so I did my basic firefighter training there then I got posted to Edmonton for three years then I went to Halifax went on ships for three years did the preserver Halifax Charlottetown yeah sailed quite a bit and did firefighting on ships and was a ship's diver at that point too then 
finished in 2008. I was just sick of moving around. I uh, did my last posting in Edmonton. Uh, my wife at that time, she was sick of moving around too. So <laughs> that's when I met this guy here and I, I applied to Rocky View County and I didn't even know where Chestermere was. So I didn't even heard of it. So we went out and saw it and just, I, I wasn't even home yet and I got a job offer and nice. I think I started the week after in July 2008, I believe. Was that right, like the transition from Rocky View County to Chestermere? Is that the... Uh, it was still Rocky View County, or it was Chestermere Fire Service, but it was managed by Rocky View County, so all the uh, people in there were Rocky View employees, but the equipment station, everything was still owned oh, okay. by the city of Chestermere. Yeah, they still did the Tuesday or Wednesday night trainings and all that stuff, so we and it evolved pre over. Pre-full-time yeah. transition piece. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Right on. So there's a bunch of pieces we're going to come back to in that. That's good. Now it's my job to remember all that and come back good to luck. you. But, um, in Edmonton, which, which did you work at the base right on 137th there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, my grandparents were from Castle Downs, and so we always used to go by that base. Do you ever be that? Were you ever the guy that was carrying that log around the field in a big circle all the time? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. No? No, but we used to... You know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about, though? Yeah. I always heard that was a prison. I don't know if that was a prison or if that was just PT or what that yeah, was. Yeah, there's, that's the prison for the Canadian oh, Forces it there. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Good thing you said no. <laughs> no. So that's cool. That that uh, that was a big base. It's huge. Back, yeah. back then, right? So it's all, probably haven't been back, but it's all houses now. It's all decommissioned and it's all houses. Yeah, you're talking about the one just south there because that was uh, Grease Bar. Okay. Yeah, that's all fancy condos now and everything. Crazy, eh? Nice. We're also going to come back to the Halifax piece and the Chestermere piece. Okay, Mark, I hope that you yours is awesome because Craig's whole history was pretty cool. You got a lot to compare. Yeah, I with got it. nothing to compare to that. <laughs> um, so when I was done playing junior hockey, I left. I, so I'm born and raised in Strathmore. Moved away to play hockey, and when I was done, I moved back. I couldn't afford anything, so I ended up buying a house in Strathmore. And one of my buddies figured, hey, come out to Town Fire. We're doing a training night. Kind of the same thing as, as Craig there. And went out, enjoyed it. And I did the S courses back in the day. So I literally showed up. Got signed up for the town and started doing my courses. And it, it took me a full year. I was one of the only ones to do all the S courses in a full year. You did so them in town, like you get no. So it was through the Crest G group. Oh, okay. And the S courses were two weekends per course, back to back weekends. And then I literally, because I was young, single, didn't really have a job, and so I just went course to course to course to course. While I was doing that, I actually got hired on in Six Sigma Nation oh, nice. okay. as a part-time firefighter with minimal training at the time and got hired on there first. And then I got hired on right before or right after Craig did for Rocky View in Chestermere. And there was two, I don't even know how to explain it. There's two levels, wasn't there, Brent? There was like a fully trained and then there was like a partially trained and you're only allowed one partially trained guy on shift. Yeah, leave it to the fire service to make a yeah. system that no one could understand. And then, <laughs> so, so we couldn't figure that out. And then he got different pay for this and it was like a buck fifty an hour. Like it was, it was crazy. So yeah, so that whole year I ended up getting all my S courses done and then had to challenge the fire exam at the end of the year. 
that was good for me because then I actually got to do more shifts at Rocky View because I was part of the higher trained class. Then I did Chestmere, or sorry, Rocky View. I got on to Sutina full time after I was fully trained. And so I worked all three jobs. I did Siksika, Rocky View, and Sutina. It did like more than full-time hours, but yeah. split by so everybody. the Sutina, it's the same shift as it is now. It's 48 on, six off. Yeah. So on my six off, I would jump between Siksika and Rocky View. And then I also still volunteered at the town of Strathmore. So I literally lived out of my vehicle. Yeah. And growing up fire, there's a growing up fire candidate if there ever was one. And uh, after that, when I was in Sutina, Chestermere was in the transition of taking over from Rocky View. I applied and yeah, I worked in Chestermere for a few years. And then I went up north to Imperial Oil. We We had a contract under there. From a format company who I won't name anymore because they, they went under. And I was up there for five years. Another company took over that contract for Imperial Oil, who's still there that day or this day. There were some interesting things that happened up there. So I left there, ended out actually in Kitimat. Oh, wow. At the, at the big LNG plant? No. Oh, yeah. So we were in Kamano. So we went from Kitimat. We had to ferry from Kitimat to Kamano, which is an old power generating site. And they were born a new tunnel through the mountain. They made a massive man-made lake up on top of this mountain. And uh, they're boring a new tunnel for the water to get down to the hydro power station. So they have two big tunnels. So I was out there when this job opened up at the airport and I applied. Originally, there was a different company that had the contract. Applied for it, got a job, went to Mexico, came back, I didn't have a job here anymore. Cause, changed companies cause already. changed companies. <laughs> wow, that's like when I worked for Unical. And uh, <laughs> so then came back and I was like, okay, what do I do? I already quit my other job. And then right when that was happening, ProTech, Ended up getting the contract, so I reapplied. And uh, I think I still have one more shift or something out of Camano because it was two weeks in two, and like a week out or something. So I was out there. I had to leave early. I arranged to leave early to come back for an interview. And it was at the terminal, of course, plane hopping back to Calgary. Well, my flight gets delayed due to bad weather in the winter. Never so, happens in Alberta. So I got on the phone with our HR director for ProTech. And I was like, hey, I'm supposed to be back. My interview's in the morning. I'm not gonna make it. Like I'm trying everything to get back. Like I need this interview. So anyways, they postponed it by a day for me to get back here. And then I did the interview and then yeah, I found out I had the job a couple of days later, so. Nice. So really between the two of you, there's nothing you won't do and nowhere you won't go to be a firefighter. <laughs> Basically, you went from Essentially, one right? coast to the other between the yeah. two of you, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah, very unconventional and having her take a did it the hard way. And, yeah. Well, the, maybe the interesting way, right? So so let's go back to you, Craig. You, you talked about working in Halifax as a firefighter. So did you have to do some of the shipboard training and do some of the stuff that goes with that? Yeah. Once you get, it's called your QL5, your journeyman course in the military fire department, then you're eligible to go to ship. And everybody has to go to ship, whether you're going East Coast or West Coast. So we went East Coast because it's a lot cheaper out there. So you can live a lot better. And so you get to posted there. I was on preserver for my first year and a half, two years. 
so you when you get there you got to do your basic naval course i think it's six or eight weeks and it's hanging around a bunch of navy guys but it is actually a lot of fun they have a damage control school there it's, they do all the fires floods damage control shipboard firefighting Everything aircraft firefighting happen, all in okay. one encompass in one building it's unbelievable yeah it's uh really cool so then you get posted to your ship then you just sail around we're responsible for the aircraft on the ships for the sea kings okay. so if you know sea kings we're can be very busy. So. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work ahead of you. So, <laughs> so it was good. There's six. There were six on the preserver. Then I got promoted to master corporal. Then I went over to uh, HMCS Halifax for my last year. Then, then I was also the, on the dive team and stuff like that. So it kept us busy. Yeah, some training that's uh, kind of unparalleled, right? Like that yeah. top of the line. That's horrible. Trip the horrible six weeks. Yeah, but you come out of there just. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was right? good. Like just got the bad. Nothing that you don't know about trying to take care of a ship. That's right. It's a kind of a scary thing. Like what, for most of us, we go on a ship when it's like a ferry or a cruise ship or something like that. And you don't really like to think about what could go wrong. Right? So then they send you to the school and you think of every single thing that can go wrong. And then you do it from the most minor to the most catastrophic that there could be. That's right. I don't know. Well, and there's probably so many hidden compartments too. Right. Well, and just everything. Like it's so... Like, it's all steel, right? So it's different than a, a house, and a house isn't going to sink while we're fighting fires. Sitting there worried right? about flooding, and it's, you'll never stop the flood. It's about basically band-aiding it to yeah. get you to where you need to go. It's, Let and the pumps catch up and so, do all that. Yeah, so, I mean, so that's kind of like that training that's so well-rounded, right? You get to right. do all those different pieces and all those components. I love it because there's so many things that get us ready to be a firefighter, right? So you started off with, I played hockey, right? So big team sport, going to another big team sport, big surprise, right? Yeah. You know, and you look at, Craig, your stuff where, you know, you're going along, you get into the military, right? So it's a like team, team, team. And then now you're the fire department, so you're a team yeah. on the team and move it all through. I love that you kind of, both of your stories have Chesmer in it, right? That's kind of cool for me right now because I'm there and fun for us to talk about all the changes and different things that have happened there. So this is my second time to the airport here, uh, the fire hall here at the airport in Calgary. And I got to tell you, it looks significantly different than the last time I was here. You guys have done a nice job. There's tons of stuff I love. All the, A lot of people don't know about the signs. I'll take some pictures, put it out for everyone to look at. But, you know, the, the different runway signs and the different hold and, and things in the, in the hallways. You've done a nice job setting it up with that. And I love the pride. So we were talking about the pride piece, right? So, you know, the, the company pays for the paint and you guys put it on the walls right and so how that builds in the fire service pride there's lots of places you go that would never fly right but it's fun to be in a place where as we were walking around doing the tour today uh, it's fun to listen to you guys and and see the pride of like you know well we had to do this and we had to change that and we're getting this and your trucks here are awesome barf trucks are awesome so we're talking about the i guess it's called older ones right and then we go around the two older ones and here's the newest latest unreal truck for me, that that was pretty incredible, right? And and so, Craig, we were talking a little bit about the the training, right? So let's go back to you know a lot of the people that listen to this, they they know what an ARF truck is, but they've never actually been in an airport rescue firefighting truck, right? Um, they've seen the pictures, they've drove by it, they flew by it, they've seen it, right? But when you get in that thing, right? So I got to get in there today, and you're sitting in the middle of the truck, right? You're not on the right side, you're not on the left side, you're sitting in the middle. So right away, I had a million questions. What does this do? What does that do, right? We can't get into all of that here. First time you ever jumped in an ARF truck, right? 
We'll, we'll start with Mark on this one. We're going to come back to Craig. Okay. What, what was it like? You're sitting in the middle of the truck, staring out the middle of the truck, and you got to drive this thing. It's kind of intimidating for sure because, <laughs> like, all the, all the driver training I did was in a big engine or a big aerial. Like, the biggest truck I drove was the aerial out in Chesmer, actually. It's fun to drive and, and all that sort of stuff, but you get an ARF, you're higher, you're in the middle, you have all these joysticks, way more buttons, and you're like, okay, what do I do with this? And then two big nozzles, one on the bumper, one up top, and yeah, it's it's a it's pretty over overwhelming to say the least. And but once you get playing with it, it's actually as weird as it sounds, it's almost like a video game where you just kind of play with the joystick, push some buttons and because all it is is a, it's a big hand nozzle is what it is, except it's on the front of a fire truck. The more you play with it, the more fun it is, and the better you get at it. So. It's kind of like that muscle memory, right? Yeah, Just like 100%. anything else. But yeah. Okay, we'll go back to you now, Craig. So you're the deputy on shift here, right? It's your job to make sure everyone knows what they're doing, how they're doing it, all the training. And so we talked about the, the levels of training. So in a municipal fire service, you know, weekly training, if you're full-time, maybe more often than that. And so we talked about uh, these massive fire trucks, right? So what, like, lay it out for some people. Again, lots of people on here never, they don't know anything about this, right? So what's a shift of training look like when you work at an airport? Um, I'll touch base a little bit of kind of what Mark just said there. Is that kind of like we are a team here, but when you're working with these ARF trucks, there's only one ARF truck that has two people on it. So you work, work by yourself and in the middle of the night, whatever, you got to go. To certain, you got radios to worry about, pumps to worry about, so you better know all the facets of what's going on in that truck. So there's plenty of always training. Like on our crew, we are mandated by Canadian airport regulations to train certain things per month. So every month we have half check marks to, uh, that have to get marked off. So we're always training out there. We have our uh, 737 mock-up. We're out there running drills all the time. So the more repetitive you get, guys can do it with their eyes closed. And it's just, it looks intimidating if you see it for 30 seconds, but it's... A lot of just a lot of buttons really one of the things that you just said to me and brent you can jump in here too is we we're talking out there about uh the daytime stuff right so and then you, you said nighttime right and so i think of like just driving my pickup from a chest rear fire hall to my house day to night is like completely different right and the older i get the worse that gets so an airport at night there's a million lights, right? Because there's the taxi lights, there's the hold lights, there's like there's a million lights. Well, and one right? side's different from the other here too. <laughs> just to make it twice mm. as complicated as it was, right? So when you're brand new, you you just get here, you're starting out. I just met one. There's a brand new firefighter sitting out here. It has to be like over the moon complicated and and terrifying to be driving around here at night it is you have to well, you do your seven week training at the beginning you do your avop which we talked about earlier you have to know everything that comes along with the airfield and you have to do a three-hour test drive then you have to do a night drive but when you start you're going to be on the, the medical truck with an officer on there anyways until you get your feet wet and you know everything and just like you said at night it is a different world yeah. a total different world out there because you're going to one side of the airport to the other and we're not going to leave you out stranded and because you have to worry about comms to the tower, comms to the incident operations center, <laughs> all that. this other stuff. Plus, you're operating this massive unit. Yeah. So planes are flying around, landing, taking off, driving around. The baggage handlers, yeah. the food well, even, catering trucks, the even like on the taxiways and stuff. With all the lights, when you see a plane and at night, you, you usually see two lights, so it looks like a vehicle kind of. 
it's very hard to see the two lights and then your red and green lights for your wings amongst all your other city lights, runway lights, all that sort of stuff. But you would think that an airport's flat. This airport is far from being flat. At night, it's so hilly, you can see it at night. So like on the west side, there's no runway or taxiway lights like inset. All on the east side is all lit up. So your midline taxiway is all bright green. So you see it and you can see where to go and then you can see the hills and it, it literally kind of looks futuristic isn't the right word but it's kind of well yeah it, with it, all it, those lights it right? plays with your mind right because you don't know what you're looking at and they all kind of blend together yeah it's like being on a ride at disneyland yeah, <laughs> i think driving an arf truck's a bit like that anyways but yeah so we talked about so the new one has the the stinger the piercing nozzle on the front i'm probably saying the wrong words but so i got to work with one of those up in fort mac where they put out a trailer fire with it and stuff so i've seen it at work i can't imagine being the one to run it right but we were talking about having so kind of the different training stuff so you said we got a 737 mock-up we get to train on who who gets to do that right so that's kind of cool and then for the piercing nozzle you had the other right you're we actually a prop able that to, uh, we can use it on yeah yeah so and that's we have, pretty uh, cool replacement pads that go on top of it so you can replace them and yeah so you know the 737 you've got that so you've got to do like where you board it and rescue people you've got to do the firefighting for that you do all your arf stuff over yep, there search and rescue we can search smoke it out we have a i bring in my generator from home we hook it up with the smoke machine it can be smoked out in probably 10 minutes it's not even it's it's a great prop the whole thing and we practice our positioning and stuff like that so when we go do our annual training in uh in Festi in toronto there it's more about evaluating now, not training, because that's where it, we run full circle all through the year. You go to Toronto, and that's where you prove yourself. Okay. So so the ARF trucks are different, right? So what are some things that are the same, right? I'm just a regular firefighter out in a municipality or, or county or whatever, and you're an airport firefighter. What are what are the, some of the things that are the same for us? Pumps, I guess. They all got fire pumps in them. Pumps are, okay. pumps are pumps, but... I guess we got four older trucks. They're set, so as soon as you put it into pump mode, they're set at a certain KPA to pump pressure out. Regardless of you're on a booster line, which will always cut down your, your pressure at the nozzle. But a 38 cross lay off the side of our truck, you're getting the full pressure that is going out that front nozzle. Where <laughs> our new truck, we call it a structural panel. So it's like a municipal fire truck where you can dial down the pressure, dial up the pressure, okay. whatever you need it to be. So a lot of the new ARF trucks are coming with that structural package so you can actually use a handline properly. Yeah, which which makes sense. I mean, there's yeah. tons of just structures on the airport yeah. property too, right? It's not lots of lots of planes here, but yeah. also lots of uh, buildings and and massive buildings yeah. that have planes in them and cargo and and all of those. Um, what else would be really similar? I wish you were going to ask the opposite. What's different? So yeah, well, that's next. You you could have that one. Um, <laughs> I get like the gear. We went in the gear room. Yeah. I mean, the stuff looks the same, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. 
we guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. Okay, Craig, you get to start with the, the differences. Let's let's start listing off the... In the fire department general or trucks in general? Uh, well, I, I think everyone gets that the trucks are different, but uh, I, like the operations, the whatever you can think of. Yeah, it's different. just, there's so much different here because I compare it to Chestermere and let's say, for example, the community service piece. There's very little community service piece. We do our best to get over to the terminal, but we're not really, like we're not doing pancake breakfast we're not talking to children we're not going to schools we're not doing uh inspections at uh local communities things we're not dealing with politicians at town hall we're not and the yeah, list none of that right? and the list goes on when you when it comes to that part of it okay uh the, the response part chestermere municipal departments they act now if phones go off they have to go us it could be 15 minutes it could be an hour t- two three <laughs> hours we have a, a flight come in from seattle let's say it's, it's two hours away so, okay, we'll wait for an hour and 45 minutes and we'll make our way over to the gate. It's not reactive like a municipal hall where it has to react right now. So that's a huge difference on that. The trucks, obviously, totally different. Yeah, yeah well, they're so massive for one, right? I took some pictures of the pump. I'll send that out for everyone to have a look at that, right? The, uh, yeah. Mark, before you were talking about the two engines. Yeah. Right? So, so our new one's got the two engines. The drive engine and then the actual pump, yeah. the engine to run the pump. So that, I mean, that's different. I think we'd all love to have that in the <laughs> in the fire service, yeah. but uh, uh, you definitely don't and bring it And the training's so much different, too. you got to follow Canadian airport regulations to a T because we get audited every year. and. They're going to go through all our books. They'll put maybe three, four books on the table, and they'll go through, and everything has to match up. So that's so different from municipal. It's just like, this is what we're training this month, this year, and it has to be done. Yeah, and the accountability piece is, like, complete because the government comes and checks. And oh, says, it's, it's almost overbearing sometimes how, it's how much logging of the information you have to do for yeah. basically a couple hours a year that some guy's going to come in and look. Right. And and so I think like a lot of municipal fire services probably were supposed to live up to that level, but there's some gray areas there. Not everybody does, right? But for you guys, because it's Transport Canada coming, there's no gray area. It's, I'm sure it's very black and white and you did this or you didn't do this. Yeah, and, that's right. And you got to meet these timelines and do these specific things to, to keep your certification certification up yep and annual training it's it's huge here and plus we're not as busy as a municipal hall or most municipal halls so we had that opportunity to to take in the training for me a cool one too we talked about was the so you you talked about it already is like you have to go to toronto and take the training right so you know most places what what's the farthest on a municipal fire department you're gonna have to go right a couple hours yeah next town or maybe you'll go to lakeland college or whatever you guys got all from off shift, fly to Toronto, do your training, come back, go right back to work, and and so you know and like, we're pretty fortunate in saying that like it's it's uh, two days now. It's probably going to go up to three days next year. So and it's a huge cost. Don't get me wrong. It's got to they take the crews out each crew at a time out to Toronto, hotels, meals. But we have had some great training. Like there's some departments that go there just to get their certification, but we've upped it and now we're doing search and rescue stuff. We've made it into two days. Usually it's just one day. So we're going to up and up it. So, and hopefully next year, fingers crossed, we'll get everybody their 1003s. That's our next plan. Okay. To get everybody their 1003 uh, airport firefighter cert. The certification. For so that. that's okay. another check mark in the box for us. So. Yeah. 
So we're very fortunate to have that training uh, facility there that we can go use. Yeah, well, it's nice, right? Because you can kind of do the basics here and everything yeah. you got to do and then go do the live fire there. And that part's pretty awesome. Okay, so training's over there, similarities, differences. Let's go to this. And, and I'll let go, Craig go first here this time. W- which one do you like better? Which style of firefighting is uh, – well, you did them all. So out of all no, the that, different kinds. That's, that's a great question. I don't think that there's a proper answer to that. There's so many moving parts for everything. And the municipal side, I guess – just i guess it's more constant nothing's better than beating an engine like with the guys and stuff like that doing medical calls you never know what you're gonna get okay so there's things the same things different i get all that if i just keep sitting here staring at you are you gonna actually answer which one you like the best or you're just gonna (laughs) talk in a circle and pretend Uh, i didn't know i probably won't answer that (laughs) but uh there's no they're all they're all great like I, i can't say it I listen to many of your podcasts. You got the best job in the world, whether you're sitting in municipal hall, ARF hall, in the Navy, whatever. It's just like, there's no complaints, right? It's just, it comes down to, I guess, the guys on the floor and the way you treat your guys. And, and just whether you're going out to an aircraft or you're going to a structure fire or whatnot, there's still the checkbox that need to be done. It's the... Yeah, the team aspect. Right? Yeah. So instead of four people in an engine, you guys just take four engines. And, Basically, right? yeah. The ARF trucks, and it, it's still the team, everyone working together and... And all of those pieces, so that's pretty cool. So how about this one? Will you answer this one? What was the best training that you ever took so far in your career? All those different opportunities. Military training, by far. Yeah? That six-week training on damage No, not there, but when we go to our fire academy, you do six months to start. Then you go to your base for uh, two years, and you go back to your German's course another four or five months. Then if you get promoted, you got to do your uh, officer's course, and that's another six months or so. So and it's all theory and practical based training. So all of those pieces, it just keeps getting better and yeah. better, and adds to your what you can do as a as a leader. Plus, it's there's no budgets, and it seems like in the military, you get to trust me. Let's say, okay, we're gonna go to CFD's uh, academy to train for a couple of days. First person, first the chief's gonna say, how much is it gonna cost? Then it gets scaled down. Remember, we did a few years ago. Everything goes scaled down, scaled down, because all about the cost. But we we got through it. We did it, and yeah, it's just when you have no money concerns, you can. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, like, there's a lot of different things you talk about there even, right? So the municipal budget versus the military budget versus the, you know, private. now you work for a private company that works for another, let's call the airport another company, right? Yep. Uh, another group. You kind of had a special career where you get to work in so many different things and try out so many different things. Uh, not too many people get to try out all those different variations, right? So you get Mark there who goes from a, a team playing hockey to another team playing firefighting to a, yeah. another team here at the airport. And I, I think that that aspect of it, the the teamwork part, I'm sure the hockey served you very well yeah. as you got started and, right? And as you move through the things. But so for you, you got to do the industrial stuff. You got to do the airport. You got to do structural. Um, structural. What uh, do you have a favorite? Are you going to answer the question or are you going to pass? Honestly, probably my honest. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, the funnest training I've done is all my high angle tech, confined oh. space, all the, the tech portion. like the, Was that more like the Fort McMurray stuff then? Was, yeah, that where you got all, all of north. That yeah. Okay. So all the, the 1006 program, I guess you could say, that's my fun and that's my jam. I love doing that stuff. Okay. And yeah, if I could do it again anywhere, I definitely would. And, I, and I, I definitely miss the, doing it. Yeah, of course. Like hanging from towers and... You're, yeah, you're not going to get that uh, that stuff here, right? And I think that that's kind of that industrial 
the good and the bad, right? Yeah. You, you maybe don't get as many calls. They maybe aren't as interesting. But when you do get them, they're bad. And yeah. But then you get, like, so much training, right? Again, it's that private company piece where it's like, hey, we're we're going to invest a ton of money on our people. And we know that it's not going to happen that often. But when it does, it's going to be super bad. So let's train the crap out of them, right? And then, again, you know, those ones are oil companies. So there's no amount of money. When things are going good, there's no amount of money they won't spend and invest on their staff to, to get them better, right? And so... And I think that's kind of a cool piece of what you guys are doing here, right? So it's a private company that's doing kind of what typically would be a public municipality taking care of. And so you get to look at it like from a completely different way. And it's cool because you walk in here, it's the same uniform as if you were working for a city, right? Uh, different patch on the shoulder, but everything else is kind of the All same, right. same title, same, right? But you're working for a private company. So we were talking about changes out in the Bay and I said, okay, like, so on the municipal side, I... I know the changes we have to go through to get anything done. You were just talking about yeah. that, right? Versus here where there's very few obstacles in your way to get a, an answer of if you want to make a change, right? Yeah, working with a private company there, I guess there is negatives on everything, but the positive, they've been really good. This is what they do. That's the only thing that this company does is our firefighting. They don't specialize in anything else. So this is, we've, we've pretty much nailed it, that what we've, we do. We stay very streamlined very specific what we do yeah. we don't try and be high angle tax we don't try and be municipal guys and all this stuff we our firefighting is our thing and we're very i would think we're very very competent at it and yeah and you start to see it right so the equipment starts to align the training starts to align the you know the operating guidelines you talked about having to write out operating guidelines and update those and change those as we go through right and then that's always such a big challenge in the municipal part to try and keep up with the changes and things like that whereas here they bring the changes to you in this cars document and say hey you're gonna have to meet this goal now well that makes it easy for you yeah now you just say okay well now we train and change our sogs until we can meet that that goal right yeah very true um and then when they come and check on you all the time that's perfect that's no no chance for someone to kind of back off or or not meet the regulations you got to so let's do it right in in a way it it almost makes me a little jealous i wish that we had that on the municipal side you know because if someone was holding you to a standard well it's like your playbook right right exactly Yeah. yeah And so I guess, yeah, like BC and, and exactly. Manitoba and some of these yeah. places are trying to put this in, right? Yeah. And you can kind of see why it actually makes sense, right? Like, let, let's, uh, if we're going to get measured, tell us what we're going to get measured against and then start to live up to that. So that's pretty cool. All right. The Chestermere part. Remember I said we're going to come back to that. <laughs> so nothing I love better than to sit in a room full of guys. And in this particular room, I'm the odd man out. You guys all work together and kind of right from the start of Chestermere kind of took it through and helped build it and, and change it. And so just so you know, it's kind of cool for me because we just kind of revamped the whole station. We moved stuff around. And so I'm the one upstairs saying, what's this for? What's that for? And I've actually seen your names on different things upstairs in the, let's call it the training slash history room, right? Where for me, it's kind of where history comes alive at, at the Chestermere Fire Station, right? I've seen your names. I've heard the stories. And so it's kind of fun to get out here and meet you guys right. and, uh, and go through that, right? So definitely, I'm extending this again. Make sure you come out, see us, right? See the changes and, and catch up with everyone and, and all that's going on. So, Brent, what, what's it like for you? You come back. You worked with these guys in Rocky View County. You worked with them in Chestermere. And you get to see them out here operating a, like a whole new, different kind of system. Oh, it's pretty cool, right? Just to see what people move on to and different things that they accomplish. 
So when they first took over, I was very fortunate to kind of come and see Craig for just a few minutes the one day and got a real quick walkthrough and coming back now three, four years later here. It's crazy the changes that you can see and you can see their pride in the service they work for and the company they work for and the airport and the citizens and all these travelers, I guess, and commuters that you guys take care of is it's really it's pretty cool to see. So we got two ex-Chessmere guys and one current Chessmere guy. Anyone want to tell a story about anybody else sitting in the room? Anyone want to? Nope. Shots fired first. Nope. Uh, too scared where this will go, Mark? Or I, think, I think Craig's good at telling <laughs> I stories. I, I wish I could. I wish you would have asked me yesterday to come up with a, good, a few good stories. I, <laughs> I could remember. I might have to get back on that. Remember, but I'm sure there's quite a few. I think it's the part of the fire service we love the most, eh? All the shenanigans, all the the different uh, tricks and things that happen and, and those stories that go. I think what bonds us is the, the harshness of the calls and the stuff we have to see and go through together. But Probably stories that we probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> Especially when it, you guys will tell them all like five seconds after I turn this off. Yeah. It'll just be stories flying all over the place. Oh, I was constant target, him and Mike Brissett, constantly. <laughs> Come out of the liquor store, my truck's not there. Fantastic. <laughs> Constant. It's just the joys of the stuff that we do. But shenanigans, well, so one that we did while we were in Chestermere oh, is, is Johnny, Johnny Moe. Let's talk about the Olympic gold medalist for a minute. So we we called it Operation Crows Will Fly at midnight. Yeah. And, and Johnny was going to the Olympics in Vancouver. Then he went, and, and he was coming back, but... Yeah, Craig stole his truck from him, <laughs> and we took it in, because we have a decal guy, and we had the whole truck wrapped. The the whole thing was wrapped, and it said, like, bad boy of curling on it, an Olympic gold medalist, <laughs> and we just... Oh, yeah. Trent didn't charge us anything, I don't think, did Trent he? was amazing on it from Signcraft, and then... We come back. He didn't want and, there to be a paperwork of all yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> we picked we picked Johnny up at the airport, bring him back, and he's like, "Oh, thanks, guys!" Like that, we all showed up, right, to bring him back, oh, and yeah. we get back to the fire hall, and we, he's like, "Why is the trucks outside?" And they open up the bay door, and his trucks inside, completely wrapped. He was not impressed. <laughs> he, he was tired, the fun angry. He was not impressed with that at all. <laughs> I think Mike Brissett drove around the truck for a while. Didn't yeah, he, he did because he couldn't. We couldn't get it peeled off right away. So, I mean, the good news is it doesn't really matter how he felt about it. It wasn't really about him, right? No, not <laughs> it was everybody it was about else. Sure. <laughs> That's the whole reason he won a second gold medal. He's good. Don't worry about him. <laughs> Don't worry about him. It, I love that story specifically because it's it shows that there's no length we won't go to to pull a, a trick, eh? Oh. Like the shenanigans are, there's no amount of money we won't spend, there's no m things we won't do to <laughs> get it. But then there's also those things, like those lines that will not be crossed, right? And we all know how those lines got put there because somebody crossed them a long time ago and had to change it for us, right? But Oh, you still push the lines. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't saying that with the camaraderie and all that stuff. Uh, when I was living, I commuted from Edmonton to Chestermere for like t almost two years or something like that, right? So we ended up buying a house in uh, Chestermere, and I was still in Edmonton. Who's there emptying the moving truck? Brent, Brian, I think all these guys from the fire hall. They're there. Yeah whether you need something moved or whatever. And I wasn't even, I was three hours away. Yeah. There's these so-called randoms, I guess, that my wife just met and moving the house in. So yeah. there's that side of all that stuff too, right? It's Not, that, that uh, team, that family piece that no yeah. matter what, as soon as you're signed up, you're, 
That's you're right. good to go, right? I mean, I do like that piece. It's it's a double-edged sword because then when the call comes that someone else needs, you got to go because <laughs> it's well, part of being on the yeah. team, right? I, I've moved more people and moved more heavy furniture and more awkward things in my life because of the fire service. But that being said, that's all been done for me many, that's many, right. many times too. Yeah, I moved him lots too, and I told him I'm done moving. <laughs> that's it. He has oh to my. stay put, eh? <laughs> that's when you pull the Paul McClure it's just, here, here's my truck, here's yeah. my keys. I'm not helping you, but you can use my truck. That's right. Can I just write a check? <laughs> it's horrible. I mean, that piece is what brings us all together, right? It's, uh, you know, for you guys here, we talked about everyone having their own truck, and but it's still got to be the team, right? You still have to be able to look through your window and see that the next truck is where it's supposed to be, right? That's right. And uh, to me, it's still mind-blowing that, you know, we call it the four-person engine. You just have four engines instead and and uh, <laughs> bring it together. But that ballet must be something to see. Like when you go to Toronto and you do that training and they're lighting off, what do you guys use? Propane, diesel? I'm not sure what they're yeah, using. Propane and diesel, yeah. Massive, huge fireballs. And you know there's a plane in there in the middle of it. And, you know, those kind of pieces are, there's a bit of stress. Yeah, and I think you hit that. the nail on the head there. It's so orchestrated, I guess. And plus we train and train and train. And everything's about the communications. And we train and there's different spots throughout the airfield that we have to go to and stuff like that. And like maybe we just take for granted that we just know what we're, we have to, where we have to go, what we have to do. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's very orchestrated all the time. We know exactly whether it's midnight or noon. We know exactly where we're going. Yeah. And that comes from lots of training. That yeah. just that and just what didn't each come. Does, right? That just didn't come overnight. Three years ago, it probably wasn't that smooth. Right. Now it's pretty smooth. Yeah, and now to bring new people into it, it's it's way easier, right? Because yeah. now it's like well, and we keep it, we keep progressing that too, right? Like right. every class that comes in, it's it's a bit different, a bit more. It's evolving, right? And a bit more to it and more to the point. Well, there's, sis- there's systems in place now. There's right. no, there's no yeah. systems in place when we first got here. We was like shooting from the hip. This is trial and error. Let's see if we can get it right. Sometimes we did. Sometimes we didn't. Evolve for the next people. Evolve. And so the last class it went through, it was pretty tight. Seven weeks, it was pretty good. Like, And he's ready to go. It starts to, yeah, you can feel it working, right? It's so cool, too, because like that ARF truck, right? There's what? There had to be no shortage of 200 buttons to push in there. <laughs> and uh, it looks like a cockpit, actually. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're looking at all of those things, and then you like, man, all the things this truck can do. Just looking at those two cannons that Mark was talking about on the front, right? And you start to think, what if we did have that at a house fire? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, how crazy. fast would that go out, right? Yeah. How Now, then you think about what would it be like to drive it there, and that would be no cakewalk through a, a town or a city or whatever. But So, like, we've had to drive, like, when we first started, actually, we went down to Disaster Alley when they had it down at McMahon Stadium. So, that, I think, was that the last year they actually did it? Yeah, there was. So. so, we got to drive it from the airport to McMahon Stadium. So, every time an ARF leaves, you need a police escort. Yeah, so they took the big VOMS, which is the big sweepers for the runways and taxiways, took that and an ARF truck, and yeah, it was police escort all the way down, no lights, they closed off intersections, it was like you were a motorcade of some sort, it was pretty cool. (laughs) Like you're hauling around the prime minister. Yeah, and then, so that was the first time we got to do it, I got to drive it back, and then the same year, we went over to Rotary Park for uh, Rotary Park Kids, like special, special event. So then we got escorted over there too, and that was pretty cool to kind of pull in and 
this special event for the kids. Like they just come running up to see this big truck. When it's kind of like the fire truck of fire trucks. Right? Yeah. Like so. they're so excited to see a normal one when this yeah. this thing pulls up. I can't even imagine what someone. I know how giddy I was just sitting there. Imagine a little kid, right? So. But yeah, it, it pretty much takes a lane and a half. That's how wide they are. That's why you need the police escort because they literally move everybody out of the yeah. way. And there you are driving, sitting in the middle of the yeah, gas, just... driving down the middle of the two lane road. That's pretty awesome. All right, we should talk a little bit about calls, right? Calls are a touchy subject. It's always hard, right? It's not. I'm not uh, trying to talk about the ones that that get your brain going to dark places or anything. But there's always the strange, the weird, the you know, the ones that turned out great that you're kind of proud of, and and uh, or the ones where the team just did a job that's more incredible than the last. I want to talk about one from the Slave Lake Fire. I'll just kick it off. This will give you guys time to think about what you're going to say. When the Slave Lake Fire was on, it ended kind of terribly for us when the helicopter crashed and the the pilot didn't make it and all of that stuff. But that particular day, other than the pilot dying, it was a time for me to see so many different teams. I think there was eight different fire departments represented there, six different types of apparatus, the paramedics, the firefighters, the police, everybody kind of came together, right? There's the hazmat aspect of it. So there was the rescue, the medical, the hazmat, the recovery, all of those pieces together in a remote location, right? So it crashed in about six feet of water right in the middle of the lake. So we had to go out there and it's May and the water's cold and there's all these issues around it. Yet it handled, it kind of seemed to be handled so seamlessly that it was almost like everyone just knew what to do, right? And so as we talk about training and all of these things and how it comes together, it's the parts that I love. We all take the training that we have and put it together. And so that day, Right. Other than the sadness of the person dying, the fire side of it, it was like, wow, I've never seen really anything come together that smoothly. Right. We had him out of the helicopter in the middle of the lake in like five minutes to shore. ACP paramedics, right. The the top medical people are working on him and he's transported to the hospital minutes after the crash. Right. And so for me, that's always like that's a call. There's lots that stick out in my mind, but that was kind of a cool one specifically because it was that teamwork piece where you see everybody come together. Any of you guys have a call you want to share where it was like weird or cool or? The one that just pops into my mind and it's just so happens that Mark was on that call with me is that, I can't remember exactly what street was, so it was down past your place, Brent, off to the right. Up where all the millionaires live then? No, I think it's the street <laughs> over. But anyways, we had a call as we were having breakfast to get out there. And this is really when it comes for a supervisor and I guess the, the corny term, the fruits of your labor all come together when you train, train, train. And the guys are sick of you training and going over and over again. And once, when everything gets there and everything clicks and you have guys doing stuff that aren't even told to them. They just know it systematically. Yeah. Okay, this is what he wants. This is where we're going to go. Because I turned the corner and it was, this house was going. Then I know Mark, I can't remember who was with Mark in the back in, in the aerial. And I said, where is he going? Then he must have looked at the map better than me. He went all the way around the cul-de-sac. We went nose to nose, like maybe three, four feet apart. It was like, aerial's up, this is happening, size up's getting done. All the stuff that you read in books and just like, all the check marks are done. It was, un, it was like a piece of work. Like, it was awesome. That, that Langdon's coming in. We have help, like Brent and everybody else coming in. Like It's just like one of those things that this is how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Comms were we just wrote a textbook overall today. pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's that. one thing. That's one call I will. I still have it on my phone, actually. It's like Where everything just Everything just seemed. Clicked. People were thinking of stuff, like you say, that 
yeah. you didn't expect them to think of, but it just made it even better. Nobody hurt. Like guys were going in and proper sounding of the floors, that basic yeah. stuff. Those guys would have been in the basement. They wouldn't have done simple sounding of the floors. Remember Alex and mm-hmm. somebody else went in there and said, no, we can't go in because yeah. it was it's basement fire. Been. Yeah. So it was really good. Like nobody hurt. Those are the ones that are, you know, it just, it reminds you why the training's worth it and it kind of pushes everyone forward for the next six months, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I pretty much remember every detail of that call too. Out of all the ones you've been to, right? It's how that one just kind of sticks in your mind to. Yeah, because I remember I, when I I came around the corner, because I think he asked me where I was going, I was like, basically, don't worry about it. (laughs) And uh, we tagged the hydrant and I couldn't get a hold of the pump up. And I was like, Kate, no, because we had stellar crew on and I was like no he's gonna have it hooked up and I couldn't get a hold of anybody and I literally I sent the water and I drove that truck forward and literally the water got there I got there we nosed in they had water on the fire and I basically short jacked that aerial around two different cars and staggered it was it was pretty cool it was a it was a fun call and yeah it was like literally seamless and nobody even really had to talk to anybody. Everybody just knew what to do. Get to the end and the after action review is just like a high five. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. I'll give props to the guys at Chesmer. They know those trucks inside and out. That aerial, like me and Brent took the very first course. Remember the guy came over from Germany to teach us. And it's like, and it kept on from there. Amazing piece of equipment if you know how to run, run it properly, which those yeah. guys do. I. I would have said that that was overkill and not really the right truck. And then we went to that Oakmere close fire and I was like, he, he came down, he'd been up there for like three hours and he came down and he's like, now you get it. I was like, yeah, she's crystal clear from here. Right. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, that articulating platform and the amount of water it can put out. It's uh yeah. I mean, it's a lethal force all by itself, that truck. No question. But I think that's kind of us in the fire service. We kind of complain or whatever about something that we don't really know too much about yeah. until you learn it and do it and figure out how it works. We got we have to see it for ourselves, exactly. right? I think you just yeah. we don't really just take each other's word for it. We gotta like, okay, that sounds good, but let's go try it or wait till I see it or right. I seen them doing some stuff with it. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if that's what it's for, but that one fire was like, right? It immediately you know you fly the the platform and see the water come out and you're like that's that just changed the game here yeah completely changed the game so great how about you brent you got anything you want to share with us strange weird wonderful calls just happy to be here (laughs) just happy to be here here. you are not happy to be here but that's okay thanks for being a champ and sitting through it for a guy that said i'm not saying one thing we got you (laughs) no i guess it's cool to see what these guys are doing now and that whole the teamwork thing's really cool because when I'm on an engine with my crew where the, the guys are right there, I, they can hear my voice, they can see my emotion, they can hear my tone. But yeah, you guys are taking, everyone's taking a truck. Like that's just, that it, you said it great, a ballet. And that's exactly what it looks like. And I never thought of it that way. But you have to be so in tune with one another for what you're doing compared to on that municipal side, right? Because you're not in the same truck. So Almost like the way I explained our command board. It's one thing they can come up to your side of your engine, engine 116, I'm here from, here's, here's my tags. It's not going to happen here. You're yeah. 400 meters away possibly. Yeah, you're not going to run around an airplane on fire to give your, your tags. tags. Well, and then <laughs> another different is like, 
you on an engine, Brent, is, okay, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. The driver of the first in ARF, it could be the one with two people. It could be one with by himself. He's placing the other vehicles yeah, as well around the plane. That's another aspect of the game, too. It could be our most junior guy gets that airplane first in his truck. He's placing those trucks. Yeah, like just the planes too, the size yeah. of them and stuff, right? Like I, I've been to lots, of, like a dozen different crashes, but small. It's all small, small helicopter, small plane, small, right? Like a twin engine would be the biggest one. And you come here, and we're standing out there looking at your ARF trucks, and these massive planes, cargo planes, are going by, right? Maybe no people on those ones, but who knows what the cargo is, right? And then the next one comes, and it's got three hundred people on it, and. Right there's the private jet, and then uh, yep. you know there's just there's so many. I don't I don't know how you can keep track of them all and all the kinds. I guess it's all part of the training, right? But so many different planes coming in and out of here, and so many different problems that they can have, right? And just the stats, even like the lot was longest runway in yeah longest runway in Canada fourteen thousand highest feet. tower in Canada twenty seven kilometers squared that we cover. And then you have to be how long till. Uh, in cars regulations, you have to be from the time the crash run goes off to the furthest middle of the furthest runway with half your agent expelled, three minutes. Three minutes, right? I watched firefighters in the map room for three minutes. <laughs> then every subsequent vehicle after that is a minute. Flipping yeah. through the old map books. <laughs> yeah, it was a, where, I don't even know where the call is for oh. three minutes. You guys got to be like at the spot. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty know. cool. It is. It's awesome. So thanks for having us out. Right, really appreciate it. It's uh, Mark's the second time I got to meet you, but Craig, we've messaged back and forth on social media. But it's yeah. nice to meet you in person. Yeah, likewise. Um, you know, it's cool to see the faces of the guys, and you know, see, hear some of the stories. Right, and it's nice to actually meet the people and go, oh, that's cool. Right, that's those guys that they were talking about. And Brent, thanks for being here and being your talkative self as always <laughs> on the on the podcast. And hey, always a bridesmaid, never bride. <laughs> Yeah. All right, boys. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming up and you're welcome anytime. Right on. Drone Up Fire, season two, episode 20, out here at the Calgary Airport. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.